pasa la juca si no lo guarda con esa. Y el pum 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 Good evening and welcome to another episode of the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. We got a uh, full group of guests with us tonight, but we're excited to uh discuss just kind of the latest San Antonio soccer news uh, with the youth soccer scene and also some of the uh, semi-pro teams, obviously, with everything that's going on right now. it kind of been some changes and everything, so we want to get everybody updated on, on that. But uh, first and foremost, just want to take the time to uh, welcome each one of you to the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Coach Adrian, we'll start with you from uh, San Antonio City Soccer Club. Got a nice little uh, green screen going there. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you, Scott. Uh, thanks for the invitation to be on. Uh, look forward to, to chatting with everyone uh, this evening. And then wanted to say a special uh, hello to all those high school seniors uh, and coaches and staff. Um, and, uh, you know, so- soccer is a dress rehearsal for life. And sometimes uh, we win, sometimes we lose, we face adversity. And hopefully you guys use these lessons uh, onward. Um, and so good luck. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. It's a a tough year for UIL and we'll get into that here in a little bit as well. But uh, some happy news as well to share in this time. Um, You guys being awarded the uh, ECNL to uh, compete this next season for your boys program. Uh, Excited to talk to you about that and can't wait to hear a little bit more about what that process looked like and everything. But also joining us this evening, Coach James Hope. How are you doing tonight, Coach? Doing great, Scott. Doing great. Uh, Glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Uh, this is my uh, 30th year in soccer in San Antonio, so uh, you know, enjoying it. It's a little different than what we expected, but uh, you know, we'll make the most of it. Absolutely, we'll definitely have to have you back on uh, under some happier circumstances. I can't believe we haven't had you on the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable yet. You know, I know you're kind of right. new to the Twitter scene, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't have reached out uh, sooner to have you on because I know. Well, you know, my uh, my fees are kind of expensive, so. Uh, <laughs> So this, it goes back you know, to that budget. Yeah, it goes back to that budget, and, you know. So the first one's free, and then after that, it costs you a little bit more, you know. So all right, well, we'll definitely get our worth uh, from you this time, then. So uh, also joining us tonight, Coach Brian Davis. Uh, excited to have you on here from uh, Surf San Antonio Surf Soccer Club. How are you tonight, Coach? Uh, doing good, sir. Thank you so much for uh, having us out here, and excited to be out here with James and Adrian, and just continue talking about, you know. The, the, the landscape of soccer here in San Antonio and the States and how it's ever changing and just appreciate the chance. Absolutely. And I'm like I say, I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more about uh, some of y'all semi-professional teams as well and kind of how you guys are preparing for those seasons right now with what you're able to do and everything. But uh, Adrian, let's get back to you, man. Let's, let's start off with uh, some of the exciting news. Uh, you guys being awarded to uh, compete in the e- ECNL um, tell us a little bit about that process. Tell us a little bit about your background and everything coming to the club. I know you've been there for a few years now, so just tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing over there at San Antonio City, for those that aren't aware. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I've been uh, at San Antonio City since uh, May of 2018, um, and my primary task was to get us a national league um, as a director of club development, so dealing more with the external relationships uh, with the club coaching a few teams as well on the boys' side. And um, so this is something that the club has been working on for three years. And uh, it's been a lot of work, a lot of people involved. 
and uh, you know, finally it happened. So we're, we're super delighted about that. Uh, the process is is rigorous. There is a, a formal application process. There's a back and forth. Um, I think what really did it for us was the invitation in October uh, to go to Palm Coast, Florida, for a showcase there as a as a wild card team, and they could see the level of uh, of our players in the 2007 age group and in 2006 age group. So when you get awarded ECNL, it's six age groups. It's from U13 and up. So it's very important. I guess the first criteria is the player pool and that all those teams are at a very uh, good level. Um, with that also, you have to be able to put on a, a show in terms of the game experience at the league. And then you have to really be buttoned up on and off the field in terms of administration. So, um, you know, kudos to our parents and our, and our coaches and families. We, turn, we got 31 families to get to Florida in three days, booked hotels, flights, everything. So it was a massive achievement. They won all six games. Um, the 06 is coached by David Vega. He uh, beat a team that hadn't lost in two years. So, you know, it was just it was super exciting, super, super exciting for the families and for the club. Um, and now our top priority is to get it for the girls. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully that happens. I think we're very close, and hopefully, we get some good news here in, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, some other big news for you guys. I know it's been a little while now, but here within the last couple of years, um, y'all y'all's partnership with San Antonio FC, uh, their academy program. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like, how that came to be, and everything, and and what's been beneficial about working with San Antonio FC's academy. Yeah, one, one San, SAFC Pro Academy led by Nick Evans is probably one of the top academies in the nation um, at, the, at, the, at the time. I mean, they've been honored with the DA staff of the year last year in the central region. Um, I've had a, a, a firsthand glimpse of what they do in the background, and it's, it's very comprehensive. It's very good. Um, when I went to overseas and studied Barcelona, Real Madrid, Ajax, uh, Florentina, Italian, FA, they were doing some of these things um, already. So, Definitely, it's, it's excited to affiliate with them and align with them. They see and they've uh, some of the things that we're doing and that they match, and they're excited about that to bring the, um, the community, the soccer community, a little bit closer together. And you have to um, really analyze that, you know, players are not going to be on the same team forever, and, and, and the development process is, is nonlinear. So it doesn't go up in a straight fashion. There's going to be moments when – Players might get released, um, and so how do those players get back into the into the system and into the program? So with this type of affiliation that allows that, and then we have you know a, a fantastic opportunity to uh, align our, our technical programs and our coaching programs and philosophies and best practices and interact and uh, and engage with each other. So um, you know it's 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 very nice. Their U nineteen team. They're not, they're not scheduled to have a U19 team. Um, so I hope Nick doesn't mind that I'm disclosing this, but they really feel that those players need to be ready for, for the USL. USL um, At that age. And so those, those, those players might be um, – those players, if, if they're not ready for USL, then are going to have an opportunity with us in our UCNL program. So we're excited to, to collaborate on that. 
And that's awesome. And I, I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more about, you know, the DA news and, and just some of that, you know, landscape and everything, but uh, also to kind of providing another path to uh, take your program to the next level. Um, Alamo City now signing up. I think everybody's probably heard with uh, San Antonio Surf. So that was some uh, exciting news or San Diego Surf. Forgive me. Uh, tell us a little bit, Coach Davis, about that process for you guys and, and, and you know, what that partnership now with San Diego Surf looks like for you guys here in the Alamo city. Um, that process started probably about a year ago, this time period, they reached out to us and was just talking to us. Um, I think what we were starting to do in the amateur game kind of put us on their radar. They understood that we were trying to provide other, um, player development paths other than just the typical ECNL DA and those kind of matters and those kind of kind of ways. So they reached out to us. We had a conversation going back and forth they actually flew in their head uh, ceo and their head person that's in charge of the partnership program and they did a tour of our facility loved everything that they saw met with us met with us with the board and uh we sat down and talked you know about how we can make it work for everybody and it it was just we were looking at if we Obviously, everybody that's on this roundtable, they've been to our complex. We have one of the nicest complexes that a club owns in San Antonio. Um, and so we, we constantly are getting people ask us to partner or become an affiliate of them or whatever else. And a lot of it was just a matter of kind of changing our names, but not really kind of evolving as a club. And, and that's what we wanted to look at doing is if we were going to leave the Alamo namesake, we were going to have do it not just to change, but to evolve and be better and to provide better pathways and opportunities that we didn't have before. Um, and that was what excited us with Surf. Surf is one of the biggest clubs in the nation. Um, the power of them, I think they're up to 27 partnership clubs now too. Um, and so we, we worked our contract to make sure that as more Surfs pop up here in South Texas, we kind of have some directorial rights over them because one of the big programs that excited us was the Surf Select Program which is where all the surf partners send all their top players and they're playing in the top tournaments in the nation. Um, you know, I was talking to you earlier about this a little bit, Scott, but we got a chance to send four of our players to the Manchester challenge or to the challenge cup over Thanksgiving weekend. Mm -hmm. And they're playing all top DA teams from around the nation. Um, the 06 boys actually played the number 19th ranked team in the nation. Um, and this was a group of kids that came together and met each other literally an hour before the first kickoff and played three games, won one, tied one, and lost one. The 06 girls, which we had a player represented on that team, played every minute of every single game as a center back, and she's not a center back. She was a number six normally. Um, they went and won the whole tournament against all DA teams. So um, it provided us, uh, given give our players kind of a lower cost option to be able to be seen kind of on a national level. Because of how well our players performed at that tournament, we submitted some more names for the Manchester City Cup which is a huge, huge tournament, which even international academies send, send teams to. And every single one of our kids got selected. And this is normally out of pools of 40 to 50 kids that all the different partners are sending in. And so we have six kids that are going to be going and playing in the Manchester City Cup now in September. Um, the other opportunity, so that gives us a great opportunity for our players' development, but it also for our coaches right away, as soon as we became part of SURF, they opened up their curriculum to us. They shared with us all their all their curriculum, all their platforms, um, and really started just getting emails from all the different partners, uh, directors, partners, presidents. You know, hey, welcome to the family. If you guys need anything, this is my personal cell phone number. So it really, really hit home that they they want this surf nation is what they call it 
to be a like a family style community and, and to help each other out. And with the Surf Select program has also given us a chance to have coaches go. Um, I actually got selected to be the 06 national team, uh, national surf select boys coach. So I got to coach them in Thanksgiving and I'm going to be coaching them in the Man City Cup too. And they're giving me a younger coach from the California area to kind of be my mentee um, while we're there. And then we'll keep staying in contact and other clubs are sending different co- coaches to be like assistant coaches for the other head coaches there. So it gives us another development program for our coaches too. Um, to keep collaborating, keep getting better. So really excited about all that. And one of the other things that we're able to do is we're going to start having surf select programs at the state and the regional level. And right now we have us in El Paso surf and um, willing to bet there's going to be at least one more surf popping up here in South Texas before we start in the fall. So keep your eyes out for that one. Very cool. And uh, one other opportunity that I just wanted to mention that you guys had out this past November uh, for the Surf Cup, the big one, or one of the big ones, I should say, uh, out there in California. You guys were a qualifying tournament for that tournament in the summer, right? And is that something you're going to be doing annually now here in San Antonio? Yes, sir. We uh, we got that all approved probably about a month, month and a half before our November tournament. And it's been now officially named as the uh, Copa Surf San Antonio. So that one is going to be a surf qualifying event. So those top level teams, you know, uh, hopefully SA City brings over their top ECNL teams over there and they win it. And then they're going to qualify for the surf cup in the summertime, automatic, automatic entry into it. Um, awesome. Last year's surf cup, they turned away over 550 applicants who failed to qualify or weren't at that level. So now this provides a path in the Midwest that wasn't available before to give some teams that automatic entry into a pretty exclusive, you know, high level tournament. Absolutely. It was, it was great that also Brian uh, sent, you know, five, five of his teams to our Copa. Um, sure. And it's great to see, you know, other clubs in the community start to collaborate. Um, it's, it's very, it's very important, right? We stay together and we stay united uh, in that front to support uh, the community. So, um, you know, thank, thank you, Brian. And definitely we'll, we'll look to attend the, the, uh, the surf, the surf cup uh, as well to, to qualify. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, coach James Hope uh, also joining us here tonight. Uh, we're, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier on the show, 30 years of uh, soccer history here. We're honored to have you on. And, and again, I just, I can't believe it's, it's been this long, but tell us a little bit about your, uh, your soccer organization uh, down there on the South side and everything and, and what you guys are doing down there. Well, we're a little bit more centrally located, but okay. uh, I have two roles. I serve as vice president of Alamara Youth Soccer, so all of the Division Two soccer in San Antonio and below, rec- Recreational Academy uh, through South Texas Youth Soccer falls under me. I also serve as the vice president of Urban Soccer Leadership Academy. Uh, I was founded by uh, former Mayor Ed Garza, and we work with the uh, the inner city kids uh, to give them an opportunity to play at a at an affordable price. Uh, if our, our players fall uh, with under uh, a free and reduced lunch, no one pays more than $260 a year. Wow. Uh, and that includes uniform costs, uh, player cost, travel, all of that stuff. Uh, we're fortunate to have some great sponsors. Uh, we do things a little bit differently uh, when it comes to uh, on the soccer side. We use that as our hook as to what we do. Since many of our kids have no college uh, atmosphere in which they're surrounded by or college going culture or leadership skills. We teach those within our, our curriculum uh, every day at practice. And then once a month, the players all gather 
four or five hours to discuss uh, those leadership qualities. We build college player profiles. We have college coaches. We work with uh, CONCACAF uh, coaches that have been able to come in and work on our curriculum. Uh, basically just to uh, build these uh, kids up so they have an opportunity to be successful after their soccer playing careers. So it's uh, been quite successful. Our teams have done very well. Uh, our academy program has is, is grown tremendously. We had over 500 uh, high school kids in the summer uh, play last year uh, with our 7v7 league in cooperation with uh, St. Mary's University. And their co coaches were coming out and, and other college coaches. So it just gives an opportunity for those uh, uh, kids that uh, have difficulty being able to travel and to uh, play uh, soccer, at, you know, like most of the other clubs in town. So it's, it's a great uh, you know, way that we're able to help those kids. And that's awesome. So tell us a little bit uh, about, you know, some of the players that you've had, if you can share, you, you guys have had some pretty successful players come through there as well. Not just players that have been learning life lessons and things like that, but maybe who, who's somebody that you've been kind of excited to watch come through your program that you've had a, a part of coaching. Well, then going back just a couple of years, Naberto Lira, who plays for our lady Lake university, captain of the team uh, as a, as a, as a sophomore. Uh, he uh, had some opportunities uh, to play at UNC Charlotte, but uh, as he was working on his uh, documentation status, uh, we fell a little bit short. Uh, Samuel Viegas, who's also there at Our Lady of Lake University, uh, starter as a freshman this year, uh, has been quite successful. At others that have chosen through uh, their academics mm -hmm. not to play soccer, mm -hmm. at a player, and I won't name his name, just not to embarrass him or, you know, the controversy. But turned down uh, two hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollars because uh, he is, his his vision was to be a dentist, mm. and so uh, he's chosen to uh, take that route and got a full scholarship to UTSA, uh, where he had a full scholarship to uh, a very prestigious university here, but uh, chose to uh, do the UTSA route uh, because uh, the final deal was better. Not the financial side of it, but the final deal was. better. So uh, that leadership thing, going back into finding out what your vision and your purpose is, means a lot to what we, we pro promote here at USLA. That's awesome. I just wanted to highlight that because I know you guys have had some pretty big success stories come through there and everything. So I didn't want you downplaying what y'all are doing over there. So that's last awesome. year. I think we, I think last year we brought in uh, about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in scholarship money for our kids. So yeah, we we do a pretty good job. You know, and a lot of it is not is not always athletic. Or what they're doing, but uh, it's, it's for us. It's a lot of trying to transform lives and to uh, change culture. And so we're we're getting those kids into a college readiness culture and uh, post secondary uh, atmosphere that they hadn't even thought about. Well, I know Harry had uh, some questions and stuff like that with the recent news coming out of the uh, DA and everything, and we wanted to at least get some minds that I know you guys don't necessarily participate in that specific league, but just to bounce some ideas off you guys, I think y'all all each bring a, a unique aspect, a unique pathway for local San Antonio soccer players to try and get to that next level. Um, Coach Brian, I, I know you've got the uh, the UWS team there for your your women's and everything have you heard anything about that uh yet as far as what they're going to maybe try and do for a season this year 
So for our two women's team, the UWSL, which is our second team, and then our WPSL women's team, um, we, we're, we're kind of where everybody's at right now with everything, with even like all of us are probably waiting to find out what we can even do with tryouts. Everything is in a holding pattern, waiting to find out what happens with the different regions, the different states. Unfortunately, when you have a big program like a WPSL or a UWS that has you know, regional and national playoffs, if we get lifted and are allowed to be back on the soccer fields before Houston is, well, Houston's half the teams that are in our conference. So we still wouldn't be able to play them. Um, WPSL has came out and made the call that they will not be any playoffs or any titles really for this year. It'll just be um, regular scheduled play. And then after that, the season would be over. Um, so there's there's been talks around different conferences that they're coming together and deciding to hold off on this year because of all the uncertainty and just using whatever fees that were paid in for registrations and team entry fees and, and, and applying those to next year. It's almost about the same pattern for the, the UWS. Um, last year, our second team was in the UPSL. This year, we moved them to UWS uh, 2 because it was a little bit more in lines with what that team was for us um, as a true second team, mainly made up of like high school age kids. Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, we'll hope that, you know, you guys are able to get some competitive play in. I, I know we're all itching to see you guys out there. Uh, Danielle and I got to kind of see the uh, WPSL or the UWS tryouts, you know, that you guys had out there and definitely have some talented players. And uh, I'm hoping that they get the opportunity to kind of showcase San Antonio's talent in those leagues, respectively. Thanks, sir. Well, Harry, I'll let you take it away, man. I got to take care of some Zoom stuff real quick. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, <clears throat> the reason why I wanted to bring you guys on is obviously uh, April 15th, uh, USSF uh, dropped a, a semi-bombshell. I think for those that were paying attention, uh, you could kind of see the writing on the wall here a little bit. Uh, uh, but they announced that, uh, you know, the uh, Development Academy was uh, stopping effective immediately. Um, and, you know, I know they... Uh, said this was a, an incredibly difficult decision to make, but the extraordinary and unanticipated circumstances around COVID-19 uh, have resulted in a financial situation that does not allow for the continuation of the development uh, academy program into the future. So the um, reason why I wanted to have you know the three of you guys on and have, have the show on, uh, obviously this affects, um, you know, obviously nationally, uh, but also locally here. Uh, so thoughts on USSF, uh, stopping the development academy. Um, yeah, I think from what I've seen and, and what I understand, to me, stopping the program probably wasn't necessarily the bad thing. The problem is, is it doesn't seem like there's any plans or directions from USSF, you know, to where you know basically they just dropped it on the table and and said go at it. So um, that's my concern is is, is the lack of direction. Um, you know, because there's pros and cons, you know, with the DA Academy, you know, you know, from my understanding, the biggest uh, complaint was, you know, if you're a part of the DA Academy, you couldn't play high school, um, you know, along those lines, which to me is an important part, you know, of, of being a young person um, is for that here. But um, just your guys' thoughts just on, on the macro level of, of what the decision by uh, USSF uh, did. Uh, uh, we'll start with uh, Miss Danielle, uh, just, uh, you know, ladies first. Um, so minus the, the female perspective of, if you look at the DA, they started their male DA Academy years before. And just within, I believe the past two 
maybe three max years, three. Yep. Um, they included the women's DA. Now, not, we're not going to get into, you know, how much the U.S. soccer loves, you know, the women's side of the sport or anything. But um, in the absence of that, the ECNL had kind of sprouted up and had been growing some of the strongest, I would say, competitive women's teams in the nation. And, and having been able to see both DA and ECNL, both locally and at the national level, um, just, just some of the, the, the most um, high-level soccer IQs, um, you know, you've got D1 coaches scouting at the U13 and 14 levels. Um, and so that ECNL had sort of already surpassed where the girls' DA was. So to me, as far as the women's game goes, it, it, it's a no-brainer. I think a lot of the teams were already coming back to ECNL, like you said, to have their um, student athletes participate in their high schools as well to give them that kind of leadership and the camaraderie, the spirit that you don't get necessarily at a DA um, or just playing exclusively DA. Um, and the ECNL really is about well-rounded um, athletes. Um, a lot of the coaches, a lot of the team parents um, have told me that not only when they go to these national um, tournaments in Phoenix, in um, New York, Houston, Florida, are they going to compete, but they're also taking their student athletes on college tours. So there's really a, a big emphasis, not just on winning and competition and being the best, but it's about that next level. Be, be a great athlete, but also be a good student. Here, here are other opportunities um, for you. So if for me, from that perspective, I don't think there's much of a loss. I think a lot of the teams that were in ECNL that went to DA, a lot of them are coming back to ECNL. Um, and then there's some other pathways, and it depends on um, the program, what their intention is, what, what their identity is of their program and what they want it to be. Um, and so I, I do think as the USL was kind of developing their own academy and MLS, and probably there's going to be an NWSL academy, you know, as all these were kind of coming through, that was really leaving the, the DA pool kind of with not many teams left in it and not at the competitive level that they needed. So those are my two cents from kind of the, the female level. I don't think you're, you're going to miss too much. ECNL is already high level competitive. Most of your top draft picks into the NWSL all played in the ECNL. Um, so you, you've got a lot of those good things um, that ECNL does have to offer. God, are we good or? Yeah, I think we should go ahead and take a quick break right here. We'll be right back and uh, we'll, we'll be talking some more soccer. So stay with us. You should still be live. Okay. Hey, Rafa, your thoughts uh, initially here? Um, I think, I guess the overall, how does this affect us as far as like with that national team stuff, you know, as far as development, you know, the whole big issue is, you know, how they haven't made, been able to make the Olympics and go win CONCACAF and, and the World Cup. They're not making the World Cup. I, I know I know it was important having that academy because you are we're getting seeing the best of the best players to kind of see build your future as far as your select teams. So I think them passing the buck kind of shows what what they think about the <laughs> the federation thinks about that soccer um you know with mls and hopefully usl maybe picking up you know what, what type of academies you know league teams are they going to do you know are they going to be able to 
create those players that are going to end up playing in those, you know, in the national, in the national league levels, you know, select levels. So to me, it's a disappointment, but, you know, we'll see what, what the future holds, you know, if MLS, you know, picks up and some of the other leagues, and I know there's quite a few competitive leagues out there. So it, I think everything in the end, I think I'm maybe everything will turn out, but I think, this is kind of like a disappointment, you know, for me, it's in the long run, as far as development of soccer here in the United States. What about you, Coach Davis? Yeah, some uh, kind of mixed feelings about the whole thing, honestly. Um, obviously, surf was very big into the DA. Um, that was what they were all into. And a lot of our meetings when we first became a partner were revolved around that and like a phasing in time period where we would get the chance to, to be joining that kind of elite um, league ourselves. So obviously when, when, San, when San Diego surf announces a day before USSF announces the, the dissolvement yeah. of the DA that they went to ECNL, honestly, we already knew, um, we already got emails from the, from the surf leadership that what was kind of going on and that they were on planes and they were flying and meeting with the different leagues and trying to see what, what was all out there and what was available. Um, MLS is pretty much looking at taking over. I think, I think when they decided to break it up into two different tiers, um, and all the MLS teams Mm -hmm. were in, you know, the top tier and only a few non MLS clubs stayed in the top tier, that, that that kind of set the writing on the wall, you know, um, that this was down coming down the path. And then two weeks ago, actually, the new president, um, Cindy Cohen, I believe is how you say her last name. She's a uh, director with North Carolina FC, and they left the DA and went to ECNL like two weeks before this announcement came out. So, you know, if you if you follow kind of closely on the different things you saw you saw the footprints in the sand before you actually saw the announcement kind of came out. And I think that's what led to a bunch of the different rumors. Um, if you've got top level talent and top level kids, there's going to be pathways out there for them to be seen. Um, the big thing for us, it's not going to really negatively impact us too much. We've had some different, you know, zoom teleconferences with surf leadership. Uh, you know, we send our kids out to the surf select program and there's over 700 college coaches walking around these tournaments that, we're getting to send our kids to, we got, they let us send our O3 girls to their last surf college showcase. And there was literally 808 college coaches in attendance to it. You know, um, that was the other big thing for us is we love what USLA is doing for getting the recognition for, for kids to be able to get into college. And ultimately that's, that's what a lot of these kids main, well, and I say kids, but parents main goal is to try to get their kids into college and what pathways could we have, you know, and surf with the different, connections they have in the college world we're going to be looking also to be putting on a big college showcase event here and an idea can't an idea event where surf is going to be helping us bring in anywhere from 40 to 50 college coaches for it so we're looking at trying to help create some more opportunities but not just for us for surf but for all of the soccer organizations in san antonio and, and Coach Adrian, I, thanks for coming back. Sorry about the uh, delay and, and the issue. Um, we did get a question online here, and I, I forgive me if you already covered this when I was kind of focusing on some of that stuff, but um, curious, is SA City also seeking ECNL for the girls' side? Can you speak a little bit about uh, where you guys are in, in that phase right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, always always looking to get uh, a national platform for our girls. They, they deserve it. They're, they're, very, they're very good. Uh, the coaches are, are very good and hardworking as well. 
um, and they need to be uh, showcased over there. But uh, when I got dropped off, I, 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 I got Harry's question, um, and I thought it was, and then and, and Danielle's comment. I thought it, I, th- I think it's important to reflect on on the DA and why it started. So when we go back. You know, we were we were as a as a youth community. There was so many tournaments. Tournaments were so rampant, and we had a very bad uh, practice to game ratio. So that was the, really the main idea of the DA, is to change that around a little bit and and get into some more rigorous standards, uh, just and best practices like they do in South America and Europe for their academies. So um, I think that was a real positive for the DA. Um, they, it's not. It's not for everyone, right? Because they did, they did uh, not allow the high school um, players, and I hope they reflect on that going forward. And these leagues reflect on that going forward, because the high school game is is part of the fabric here of of, of the United States. So um, I hope these new leagues that that spawn out that they really think really think about that and consider it. Um, I thought it was pretty convenient that. Maybe two hours after the D, the DA announcement, the MLS league uh, was, it, it was, was thirteen minutes, twelve minutes, But Adrian, they said they just found out like the rest of us. Come on, yeah, yeah, very, very convenient, very convenient, right? And so, um, and then in the last sentence of the press release, they were saying that they were going to start try to start a bros league, right? So, um, from my contacts, the, it hasn't got off the paper Not yet. Going, They're right. trying to do something for the for the fall. We'll see how fast they can do it. Hopefully in the next two or three days, we'll get some type of information and see what it's about. Um, we're very fortunate to have uh, ECNL boys, um, you know, because the leagues really matter in terms of player development. Not only the, the daily vitamins that they get, the daily soccer that they get at the club environment, but you also need those league competitions week in, week out. So fortunate about that. Also fortunate about the showcases that they provide. Uh, we had Coach Edward Cartier, on with our uh, families this past week. And one of the comments he made is, oh, look, you know, I love the high school game, but my time is limited. And so I prefer to go to a game that has more recruitable players per se. Right. So that would be, that would be, let's say a showcase or a high, a high level tournament. So I thought that was, I thought that was an interesting comment. I do believe that the San Antonio high school scene, the talent is unbelievable. And I think if we work better together and, and get those kids in the, in the right spots. I think uh, we really can compete at the national level. Um, when I was going through this process with, uh, with the national leaders of these leagues, they didn't really know about San Antonio. They didn't, we're, we're sort of an underdeveloped soccer town and soccer city. They didn't know we're the seventh largest city in the, in the United States, the second largest in Texas. Right. We have an unbelievable um, USL franchise and a fantastic pro academy and all these clubs. So for us, I think what, you know, when, when I reflect on the, on the introduction to Scott, I don't think that was very complete is that what really did it for us, I think, was uh, rebranding ourselves in May of 2018 when we left Lone Star Austin because we were Lone Star San Antonio at the time. Um, we just had a different way of seeing the game, feeling the game, playing the game very, very attacking, very Latin style. Um, and when we lose it, we go hunt the ball and go get it. So um, we wanted to stand on our own two legs and create that identity for ourselves. So it took some time and, you know, the coaches and the, the board have been fantastic. The families have been awesome. We do play at Star too, uh, which, is a, which is a fantastic facility. 
to to uh, have training in games. So um, very excited about the ECNL piece. There's a new league also, the DPL coming online. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens there. Um, and uh, you know, I think in the next two or three days, everyone's re- I'm sure everyone's planning this week to release some type of information for us. And then for you, James, I, I know you're kind of the the veteran. You know, that's, you know, 30 years going back in ASL and, and all the history here in San Antonio. Uh, your thoughts, you know, of all the changes and growth and, you know, one step forward, one step back uh, that, that it seems that USSF uh, does. Well, you know, first of all, I don't see the DA has been a, has been a failure. I mean, they, they put in millions of dollars every year to mm-hmm. run a league, to run a league made up of clubs that MLS clubs, other uh, clubs around the country. And, you know, to say that it wasn't successful, all you have to do is ask FC Dallas, ask Toronto Mm -hmm. FC, ask Vancouver, ask Real Salt Lake. How many players did they, homegrown players, did they grow out of their program? Mm -hmm. All right. They spent, you know, millions of dollars. It's estimated that over $107 million a year was spent on the DA Academy. You know, so a lot of money being put in, but for the for the top for the professional clubs, it was profitable. It was worth it to them. Uh, how it have impacted uh, other uh, clubs across the country? Uh, a lot of those players did get college scholarships, and by being in that development academy, we were able to be successful. Did it help our national team? I I still think the jury's out on that. Uh, when you look at how long it took to get it all started. It only started in 2007. Mm-hmm. So are we still seeing all the fruits of that with with the, with the program? You know, if you look at how SAFC started its development academy, it didn't start with the uh, U19s and U18s. Mm-hmm. It started with the U13s. U13. Mm-hmm. They built it up, and they've been now very, very successful on the lower divisions to be able to, or the lower age groups, to uh, make it successful. A lot of mistakes. I, I think the high school thing was one that I understood, because when you look at the MLS academies, they were fully funding their U19s, U18s, U17s. And to have a, a player go and get injured uh, in a high school game or any game uh, certainly was a requirement of that. Uh, I think the fact that U.S. soccer still hasn't been able to uh, recognize, uh, I don't know the exact name of it, but uh, recognizing clubs that have developed players and not paying them compensation. Solidary payments and stuff like that. Yeah, solidary. I do feel that those solidary payments should be, you know, if they're fully funding those programs, if parents have been paying to that, then maybe there's some type of exchange. You know, if parents, if it's a pay to play, then I don't know how much they, on the development side, because they already have been compensated in some sense. But there certainly should be some type of compensation for those developments, and that would have been more helpful. But that's a an MLS thing, and that's why you see those teams in USL is going to be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with these two different academies, uh, there will be some merger of these in the future. Uh, in fact, I know there's been discussions about this with the USL Academy and the new MLS Academy, uh, but uh, they're looking to develop players. That is, it is a business for them. And uh, their, their thing is how can we get homegrown players to come in and be contractually obligated? That is mm-hmm. the one big thing that MLS has over USL or any other club uh, that is in any uh, uh, program that wants to move to, a, you know, play at a professional level. In MLS, if you're a development academy player within MLS, you are locked into the MLS model. 
Uh, yes, you can go play in La Liga. You can go play in Europe. You can go play somewhere else. But if you want to play in MLS, and if you're an FC Dallas grown player, then you are you're until FC Dallas releases you from that. If they don't want to sign you, then you're not allowed to go to another club. Uh, a player that's playing for SAFC could be, you know, uh, performing and and being developed by SAFC. And yes, SAFC could offer that player a contract. But what is what could that player possibly make? Fifty thousand, forty thousand, probably more like thirty. But the minimum salary is 80000 in MLS. So LAFC calls you and says, hey, we really like how you play, uh, Scott. Uh, you know, we'd like to offer you that uh, minimum salary, you know. <laughs> or you could stay at SAFC who's grown you for the last five years. So you don't even have to... You don't even have to look at that. Just go up the road to 35. Austin FC is going to be starting what next year. They've already started their, I think, their academy this year. It, you know, they're kind of doing the SAFC model where it's just the youngers. But yeah, that's to me, that's going to be the interesting aspect, you know, between USL relationships and MLS relationships when it comes to these academies. Certainly. So those are the big things. So to me, uh, I'm sad to kind of see it go. There definitely needed to be changes within it. But I don't think it as the league itself was the issue as much as how well the, did the clubs perform to make it what they really wanted it to be. And I understand they had limitations, but that to me, you don't blame uh, you don't blame the NBA because of the Spurs had a bad season. <laughs> and hey, Harry, honestly, I don't think what a lot of us realize too. We talk about how the kids weren't allowed to play high school soccer; mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to do any outside sports any outside training and and i don't think a lot of people realize that we've even even here with um safc i know some really talented kids that were offered spots on those teams but they're also in aau traveling basketball and actually probably better basketball players than they are even soccer players and they turn it down because they're like sorry i love it and i granted free soccer would be cool but i'm not ready to give up basketball yet and so to ask some of these kids even at 11 12 14 years old hey you need to specialize now in just this and you're not going to get to play high school or any other outside sport. You're not allowed to go to any other training system. Like um, there's been lots of kids when I was, I was still doing a lot of stuff with the players Academy of soccer schools training uh, that technical training program that's here in San Antonio. Um, we have kids that would come to us during the off seasons, but as soon as season started back up there, you know, they're shaking our hands and thanks coach, but season started back up. We're not allowed to train with anybody else anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was, a, that was a true uh, detriment. You know, playing with the high schools is where they would have a chance to play before their friends and to uh, get that camaraderie. Uh, my, my solution would have been take that time off, allow them to play the high school season, and come back. You know, uh, but that certainly was a big detriment to that program, uh, regardless of how they were training those players. So, and, Scott, we didn't get your uh, views uh, of it. What's yeah, for you, and, what's your views? And honestly, you know, I don't want to keep the coaches' time that we all have on here and everything. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why I wanted to get their input. But I do kind of agree with Danielle. I think it does leave a little bit of a gap here on the women's side. Not like uh, Coach Adrian there mentioned, if they can get something up and running by the fall, it's not like anybody right now can really do much of anything. I think that would be amazing if the MLS can have some type of women's league. I just hope it doesn't fall to the wayside, kind of like how some of the other things have for women's soccer, you know. And so 
if ECNL picks up that slack and that's where some of these women's programs go to, great. But that's there's it's so different now than when I was playing, you know, even in the early two thousands up there in Dallas and you had classic one and classic two and then Plano one and Plano two and Pro Rail amongst those, you know. So I just that's why I like these guys coming on and talking to us about mm-hmm. these different pathways because to me they're the experts. So yeah, and the and the, and the latest uh, release from uh, Fred Lipka, he's the youth technical director from MLS. Um, they're they're trying to get both leagues off the ground, um, and the re- the revealing statement was that they want to be inclusive, they don't want to be exclusive. So that was good to hear. Which um, is a change from what originally absolutely. that they wanted. Uh, originally, MLS wanted to just have the MLS teams because I know you know for years MLS has thought that you know there's been some huge gaps between the DA teams, you know, even at that elite level. Um, and, you know, so I know that's one of the biggest, you know, kind of pet peeves from MLS um, was along those lines. And, you know, just kind of looking forward to the future. You know, MLS has came out, you know, initially with theirs. Uh, Jake Edwards, you know, with USL stated that the Academy is looking to start at 2021, although it sounds like it's a little bit fluid if there's going to be a relationship with MLS or not. Um, you know, on the girls side, you know, you know, you know, we talked about, um, really kind of their current setup, um, you know, for that here. And I forgot what the, the other, uh, league, uh, the, uh, development academy here, uh, development player league, the DPL, um, you know, I guess has been around or a new tier of that here. So for the future, how do you guys see this shaping out or, you know, like I said here, obviously the, the develop. The DA Academy raised the level here. Um, hopefully, with these next steps, you know, between you know, you know, with MLS, USL, um, you know, the DPL, and, and you know, ENCL, uh, will all you know kind of help continue to raise that bar. What do you guys see uh, the future looking like? So, with the boy, the the boys and the the men's pathway is a little bit more clear and has been been around for a little bit longer. So, what I see is that. I think you're going to see uh, all eyes on this MLS league. Um, that's going to be the creme of the creme, the professional, the professional pathway. And so um, it would be interesting to see uh, my first reaction. Okay. If you take in a, a, a USL team per se, you know, do you want to be governed by the MLS? You're sort of competition, right? But um, I think that all eyes are on them. Um I'm glad that U.S. soccer got out of it because they're kind of competing with the ECNL and they're competing with their membership. And I don't think that left a good taste in the mouth of others. Um, so I think the the MLS league will be the creme of the creme. And on the um, the women's and the and the lady side, I believe the ECNL, uh, just with the structure that it already has, um, getting out of this pandemic, I think you're going to see a huge focus on regional competition and staying try to stay as local as possible. So I think they're going to be very, there's very smart people handling these, uh, these decisions. I think you're going to see some uh, creative concepts coming out of it here in the next uh, couple of days. What about ahead, you, Coach, Coach Davis? Davis? Um, I, def- I definitely agree with uh, Adrian there. I def- the, the women's side, and like Danielle said, the ECNLs, especially in our region and even more on the East Coast, ECNL has been where it's at for the women. Um, some of the DA teams down in South California were, were really, really good. But other than that, ECNL was still, but that's what happens when DA starts 
for the women 10 years after it starts for the men. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely believe that the MLS league will be the league for the guys. And I hope that they bring in the girls sooner than it took USSF 10 years to do. Um, but um, no offense to anybody, but I'm not holding my breath. I mean, their initial, <laughs> their initial consensus of, and eventually we would like to add girls to now where everyone's scrambling and they see some dollar signs. Cause there's a lot of girls right after ECNL's president came out and pretty much said that there's no more seats at ECNL table um, for, for at least this next year that um, all of a sudden now there's a bunch of DA teams that have a lot of girls that are scrambling, trying to find somewhere. Um, we have actually already kind of submitted some applications to some places because we kind of got a heads up. So we have an application already in for the DPL um, before they even came out with their official announcement of starting that elite women's league because we kind of knew what was what the landscape was turning around and, and going into. So through some of our talks with some of uh, SURF's leadership, we were told where to submit our applications to try to get into the door in different places and what might be taking footholds where. Um, so we'll hopefully we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, are we ready probably at a standpoint right now to have it every single age group across the board? That's to be seen. Um, you know, we, we got some really good strong girls teams and a few of our age groups that have gone out and played you know, DA teams and ECL teams and, and beat them pretty regularly basis. But, you know, um, it's, it's definitely going to be, like I was saying earlier in, in one of our chats, I think it's going to take a good 30 to 45 days to see where all the dust settles. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's rumors coming out of even the NCAA that they're limiting out-of-state travel for college mm-hmm. sports. So if that's going to happen in college sports, what's going to happen in youth sports? Are they even going to be limiting us? So I definitely agree with Adrian on that aspect of I think there's going to be a lot more regional play, which is honestly good. Um, me and Adrian have been talking a little bit more over the last few weeks. Got to meet him about a few months ago before all this stuff uh, came out, you know, face to face. And we've, we were kind of hitting it off and trying to very much like-minded where instead of all the clubs here in San Antonio fighting and competing with each other and not wanting to do with each other, how can we come together to help each other out? Because at the end of the day, it's the players in San Antonio that matter the most, right? So if we can come together and, and get some friendlies in and, you know, do all these kind of things here regionally for our, for our families and for our parents and for our players, then we're just going to benefit as a soccer culture here in San Antonio as a whole. That's awesome. See, and that, that's one of those things that uh, we, we weren't even aware of that you two before we had you guys on the show tonight. So it's just amazing, you know, how small world the San Antonio soccer community is and how everybody just kind of pulls together. If you guys need an official for any of those friendlies, <laughs> I know a halfway decent one right there in the middle, uh, at least on my screen. So, no, that's, that's awesome to hear that you guys are trying to arrange some of that stuff uh, when all the dust settles. Scott. I have one question for the for all three coaches. Um, I know you mentioned about the coach Andrew mentioned about high school, about the Texas, all the talent here. What 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 would you do to improve on high school soccer here in Texas, especially here in San Antonio? What steps do we need to take to take that next level? The, do, you, do you want to start, James? Want to... Sure, I'll start. Um, number one, I think we need to, uh, from the school district point of view. Uh, they need to invest more in uh, their junior varsity and freshman teams, uh, being able to build a culture within the, the school district of soccer, just like they do for other sports. Uh, you know, the varsity team is, is it's gotten a lot better. But when it comes down to the junior varsity and if they have freshman clubs, teams, uh, there's just very lack of uh, 
direction towards those teams and, and a style of play. Now some of the school districts are starting to get middle school programs. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to see more collaboration from the middle school coaches that are feeding into the to the uh, school district high school teams mm-hmm. to really build that side of it. It, it adds another bit, bit of character for our players. It teaches them about uh, structure and the ability of uh, being leadership skills. Is you're not you're a freshman sophomore now you're a junior into that leadership role. I think uh, those would be the things that I'd like to see our uh, high school program do a little bit better at, uh, and uh, you know work together with the clubs. You know, the clubs have a lot to offer, uh, so it'd be great to see uh, them the high school coaches coming out and watching club games. I go out and watch all my players play in the high school. And, you know, I learned things. You know, I learned, hey, I never knew that guy could play right back. You know, so those are the type of things. That, uh, and sometimes that's based on, you know, just uh, the, uh, their availability. But the whole idea is we see our players right. in a different light. That's what I like to see from our high school. Or something like last year, uh, why is my starting center back, uh, uh, center for center forward playing a uh, sweeper or something like that? That's what happened last year for me. But Follow up question. Do you think high schools should open up coaching positions to non-school district employees? Because I've had too many coaches, especially at middle school level, who and even in varsity girls, I've heard, well, if I didn't do it, they we wouldn't have a team. And the last time I touched a ball, I was in X grade. So many years ago, they played maybe in high school, but – do you think it would be something that they should even look to opening it up outside the school district? Most definitely. Most definitely. It can easily be done. They allow it uh, with career technology programs and people that are highly qualified within their field, like if they're in manufacturing or in automotive, they bring in people outside without teaching certificates that could do that. Uh, that would definitely be a plus, especially for our younger programs, for the JVs and the freshman team. You know, we have 70, 80 kids showing up uh, – at some of these high schools for tryouts, uh, find a spot. Let's build. You, you need to build your junior varsities and freshman teams up so you have a stronger varsity program in the future, mm-hmm. and you you build tradition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think the coach has such an important impact on the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree to open that up absolutely. Um, in regards to uh, Rafa, your question. Um, our, our club's mission is to, provi- to provide the community enduring life experiences through the sport mm-hmm. of soccer. So the, the high school, the high school kids, the junior high kids are part of that community. Um, so we would love to leave a, like a lasting legacy with that. So I would really propose to have like a forum with all, with all these coaches, right. And get together and sit down. So some of the th- things that I'm seeing as a, um, as a coach is the junior high teams are doing weightlifting already. The junior high kids, and now they're coming up with sore backs and just you know some just some bad injuries just unnecessarily. So how can we how can we help there? Also, I think not only here in uh, Texas high school, but just in just in the nation, the parents the, uh, really think that more is better, mm. and we have to understand that more is more, better is better. The high school kids I think are doing too much training. There's too much. There's so much over uh, overuse injuries, ACL uh, injuries there that I think we can do a better job of communicating and collaborating together and to really manage the, the training load um, and the game load for these kids. Uh, the price of an ACL injury, my goodness. Yeah. 
they they deserve they deserve better. So they they deserve our best. So I would I would love to promote something like that. I have a few high school coaches on the staff: uh, Coach Villarreal from Reagan, Coach mm-hmm. Atkins, Diana Driggers uh, from Clark. So uh, would love to would love to get them involved, and hopefully they can spur on this uh, initiative. Um, and I hope you know Brian would get involved in something like that as well, and, and James. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Adrian there. I think the workload, especially in the preseason when they're getting ready, the pre-conference games, you have some of these kids that are playing seven games in seven days. Mm-hmm. They're playing two games on a Saturday, two games on a Sunday, one on a Wednesday, the very next weekend they're doing it. And it's just like what Adrian's saying. These ACLs are going because it's overuse, it's overwork, you know. Um, and and a lot of those might be on a turf field mm-hmm. versus natural grass, which is just continuing to kind of, you know, not help the situation at all. Um, but we, we're the same boat as uh, Adrian is. We've got a few college or a few of the high school coaches that are not only on our, our coaching staff, but are also actually on our board. Um, we were lucky enough this year to, as part of our uh, merger, bringing the dragons all the way underneath us. We have Bobby Blunt, who is the president of the Northside school district. He's on our board now too. So we're, we're in process of working with them and making sure that, you know, our, our big, our big mission at, at San Antonio surf is developing people. And that means players, that means parents, that means coaches. You know, I, I had somebody ask me, you know, what happens if you, you train your coaches and you pay for all their coaching education and then SAFC hires them away? And I'm going to give the guy a high five and a party. Like, that's awesome. Like, we help develop him. We help get them there. I'm not looking at it as we lost money on somebody because he left. We're going to congratulate that success. You know what I mean? Um, so we, we work a lot with reaching out to these coaches and making sure that while they're in the off season, kind of what Adrian was talking about and stuff, you, you know, you got these kids out there lifting weights. You know, I think James mentioned it too. They're already lifting weights in what is their off season, but it's our season. So our kids might go and play a tournament and, you know, we're giving them, you know, maybe the next two days off because they played four or five days, made it to the championship game. There are four or five games in two days. And so we give them off Monday or Tuesday and then they show up to their school and Monday's a max deadlift and power clean day. And now they injured their back and now they come to the yeah. next practice and they can't move. You know what I mean? So we, we really reach out with our high school coaches in our area and try to open up that communication with them and let them know what our workload is. And when they're starting to ramp up their workload, even if we haven't had that time off, we give our players a little bit more rest. And while they're in season, I think it's standard across the board. We have our Sunday practices for them. But those Sunday practices are pretty much show up, checking on them, health, welfare. We play some pickup soccer with them, have a little bit of fun. But, hey, coach, you know, my hamstring's kind of tight. You're not doing nothing today. Sit here and just kind of hang out with us and be part of, you know, the team, the community mm-hmm. still. But, you know, trying to just work out and watch out for these kids. So – you know, we're coming up. Uh, yeah, we're having some Zoom here, issues so. tonight. I apologize, guys. But um, so, yeah, go ahead, Harry. Any thoughts, you know, from the three coaches, final thoughts? And then, like I said here, you know, we'll do the final thoughts with you guys. And then, you know, we'll probably take another break and then come back, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, Rafa and Danielle and Scott. And, of course, if you guys want to come back, you're more than welcome to do. But uh, any final thoughts from, you know, from the three of you, you know, whether it's about your programs, the future, uh, just overall, uh you know, you know, final thoughts uh, before we let you guys get out of here. And, and want to thank you for giving us an hour of your time or hour and a half of your time. Uh, you know, it's much appreciated, uh, you know, for that here. And, and like I said, the insight um, for me, it, you know, is, is very valuable. So I do want to thank uh, all three of you uh, very much. Uh, you know, I know James, you know, for what, 
15 years, something along those lines here, you know, a good 10 years here. So, um, you know, I met uh, Mr. Brian, you know, three or four times. I haven't met Adrian yet there, but uh, hopefully very soon once uh, the situation uh, with the COVID uh, expires here. But uh, um, Brian, any final, any final thoughts from you? Um, we're just, we're just excited to get back out there and get training. You know, we've been staying in contact with all of our parents making sure every week we're sending out new stuff for them to, to continue with their at-home training and, you know, giving them a couple different little options of, of what we have for them um, and just trying to stay con- stay in contact with them and be ready for trials when we get ready to have that chance and, you know, continue to grow and try and offer the, the best of the best that we can on that side of the town. Um, we're looking at starting up, obviously, we still are going to have our UPSL men's team, which we had actually some of our boys from our 03 team made the, made the uh, practice squad for that UPSL awesome. men's team, which is really awesome for us. Um, hopefully we'll have to see what's going on with our UWS and our, and our WPSL team, but those programs will continue to stay as, as an integral part of our development program. And then we're looking also to offer a new um, training technical specific program that we're going to be starting offering probably on Friday nights or Sunday nights out there at our complex that it will be open up to everybody, not just surf, but we're going to be taking all that, the technical um, sessions and everything straight out of San Diego surf that's helped produce more national championships than any other, you know, youth soccer program in the nation to develop a technical training program uh, a pretty cheap and uh, effective, cost-effective way to bring kids that are on that side of town a place to place to come and get some extra additional training outside of their club environment. At. So we're excited about all the new opportunities that that are coming our players' ways, and you know, excited of like everybody is one to get out of the house. And uh, I think I think my wife is getting sick of me, and I heard my kids telling my telling their grandma the other day, yeah, we're all doing good except for dad. I think he's not used to being home this much, so he's going crazy. I'm like, thanks, guys. Yeah. Right. So uh, just excited to get back out there and, you know, hopefully all of our parents and our, and our players and our, all of our staff and everybody's just staying safe and healthy and just looking forward to get back at it. Well, we're wishing you guys all the best. As Harry said, thank you so much for coming on and, and looking forward to, uh, you know, hopefully seeing you guys, if not here in the spring, again in the fall for the uh, semi-pro side as well. So, um, yes, sir. Coach Adrian, Harry, we're on the same page tonight. Like we got a 33% chance that we've named the same person twice. Uh, so first, thank you for the invitation to be on the round table tonight. It's great uh, to, to meet, you know, everyone. Finally, uh, we've been exchanging some Twitter uh, messages. It's great to find out about uh, James program uh, and learn a little bit more. Brian doing excellent work as well. And a lot of these clubs are doing great work here in the community. So um, it's going to be very important as we get out of this pandemic to work together, try to keep things local uh, for our families, get them friendlies, give them some value uh, there with some good training. Uh, we're hopeful to, to get some summer training in as an extension of the spring uh, season that we've kind of missed um, and then get into the fall season as well and ramp that up with some extra training for, for our families and to add value uh, there. So, we're excited. Can't wait to get out of the house, get back on the fields. Uh, we've been preparing and studying very, very hard uh, and making our plans for the future. So um, just wanted to wish you know everyone to stay healthy and, and stay safe. And we'll, we'll be there. We'll be back on the fields pretty soon. <laughs> and James? Me a bike ride. Oh, <laughs> that too. We'll get a bike ride in finally too, Brad. 
And I was James, just going to uh, say uh, congratulations as well and good luck on pursuing the girls for the ECNL. Thank you, Scott. Well, I want to thank everyone for uh, having uh, us all on today. It was great to be able to speak to you guys uh, together, some great minds out here. So that was really good. Uh, looking forward to getting back out uh, onto the field. It, we just opened up our new fields off of Fredericksburg and, you know, we only got a few days, at least for the older boys, uh, kids, we only got a few days in. So that wasn't uh, too hard. It was a little hard on us. We've been doing uh, weekly Zoom meetings with our players on all our teams, having uh, guest uh, coaches come on. We've had, I think, about four college coaches uh, already talking to our players. And we've got some uh, some psychologists that are coming in to talk about mindset and everything else. About Most of it has been uh, on the mental side of things. Because, you know, the physical stuff right now, I don't know, is as great, important to them. Uh, they're doing some of that on their own, and we're giving them some ideas. But really concerned for our kids because of the financial situation and the, the economy and how it's impacting our kids. Uh, so uh, we're working on that uh, psychosocial right now. For that. Um, you know, I, I'm glad to see we had this today. I'd like to be able to work with uh, Ryan and Adrian and some of the other clubs and you know, uh, let let my hat of Asa, if that would be something we could get together in to be able to collaborate on some better things to make uh, San Antonio a better place. There's fit for everybody uh, here in San Antonio when it comes to soccer. And we need to work together uh, to uh, make it great for all our kids. And as you said, Brian, it's good when our when our players and our coaches uh, move up or players go to the, you know to the academy at SAFC. I, I applaud that stuff. And so we want to continue to see that and uh, – Wish everyone uh, that our kids become uh, what their true vision and purpose is in life. So. Couldn't have said it better myself. Again, thank you guys so much for coming on. We'll be right back one more time to put a bow on this thing, but we'll let you guys get back to it and uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Thank you, guys. Thank much you. appreciate it. Thank you very much. Again, just want to thank the coaches for uh, coming on and uh, wrap up uh, today's show. Uh, a little bit of other news kind of in, in UIL as well that I'm sure everybody's aware of. So let's uh, let's do our final thoughts and just kind of it can be about anything. And uh, Danielle, again, we'll uh, start with you. Um, so I have two things. One, if you're watching, um, I have the promised hat that I've been harassing Scott about steadily I think since I came on the show, because the first time I came on the show, everyone else had it on. He custom made it for me, so it's got some hot pink. So I love the the rocker, and I'm rocking a flat brim. I decided I'm going flat brim instead of bending it. So uh, bad you, taste, bad taste. You can tweet us and let us know whether I need to go flat brim or round. <laughs> um, the other thing is, I have some pretty cool and exciting news. Um, I'm calling it Western Conference Women. There's three women podcasters. Um, so like me on podcasts dedicated to our teams. And we're all going to get together and we're going to have a podcast on this upcoming Wednesday. So it's myself, Alicia with New Mexico United, and Marissa with San Diego Loyal. So it should be pretty fun and exciting and I'm looking forward to it. So if you can listen, it's also kind of cool because um, – it's a little. Who did you say Marissa was with? Uh, Marissa is with San Diego Loyal. San Diego Loyal, rather, yeah. Fair, fair Pod. Fair Pod, yeah. I, fair pod. I know the teams. I don't know the podcast. I can. Yeah, Fair Pod, and uh, um, the lady from uh, New Mexico is with uh, Seek and Strike. Yeah, Seek and Strike. Um, and so it's kind of cool if you can pause for a moment and think that 
I, I don't know how many other all women podcasts there are at MLS or at the USL level. And so just take a, take a moment and make some history with us and um, set a trend and please share. We're going to put all the stuff up on social media tomorrow. So uh, thank you very much. Can't wait. We'll be watching. So go, go, go show them what you got, Danielle. Show them what we've been training you for. You, you make me look good, Scott. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, right. I'm not, I like had a moment where I was like, can Scott come on the podcast? He always, he always bails me out when I start blanking. You're in good hands with Marissa from San Diego. From my understanding, you know, with uh, talking with her and Alan, who do the fair pot, uh, you know, fair pot out of San Diego. Uh, she's got the background that, you know, yeah. no offense None to of Scott, <laughs> probably, probably is a step up. So my YouTube education is flying the nest and my like little wings are like, I will. I'll try. All righty. Rafa, what about you, buddy? What are your final thoughts for tonight's show? Uh, final thoughts. Like I said, looking back at, you know, the announcement made by, the UIL canceling the the season and it's you know I do feel for the seniors especially so well for all the seniors you know it's a you work hard for four years and you know especially your last year pretty much like your swan song and you're not allowed to complete it you know and we saw a lot of great teams out there here in San Antonio that I think would have done a lot of you know excellent stuff in the playoffs and hopefully, um, you know, gone beyond, maybe get a state championship, you know, uh, one of the, for the public schools. I know we got one for the private schools. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, you know, we're looking forward for that. So, you know, to just, I guess to say to seniors, you know, heads up, you know, just kind of look up back on this and see, you know, look forward to the future. Because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, like I mentioned, the clockers. There's a lot of things better, going, you know, that you can do in the future and, you know, just make the best of it, you know. So that's my my, my final take for, for, the, for the final high school season. Hopefully looking forward for next year. Absolutely. And then maybe we can even talk about the realignment because I did look at the realignment and there are some doozy districts, especially well, on the 5A level. We'll definitely be taking a look at that still. And uh, I wanted to put together, too, with you a kind of a look back or whatever and just capture all the mm-hmm. different games that we were able to witness. But like you say, uh, there definitely were some good matches that we got to see. And uh, I just want to say thank you to all the seniors that, you know, kind of were out there performing that we got to witness. Uh, you know, we got to see some some really great play out there. And uh, we'll be definitely doing some more stuff here moving forward uh, through the summer and everything as well and covering some more high school news for sure. But go ahead, so Harry. My, my final thought, number one, Scott and Danielle are in trouble. Uh-oh. Uh, both of your final thoughts should have been, hey, happy birthday, Rafa. I know I know you're 19, Rafa, so happy 19, 19. again. Uh, congratulations, uh, first of all, but no, all seriously. Uh, mine, I'm, a, I'm actually going to uh, promote uh, Jeff Oregon. Uh, you, know, uh, you can follow him at Texas Soccer Journal. Him with uh, SAFC uh, did a fabulous three-part series on the uh, 45th uh, anniversary on the uh, San Antonio Thunder. Uh, so, um, you know, I know Jeff. I've actually met him a couple of times here. He's a great guy, a great historian of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably right there with uh, James. You know, as far as as much history, history. if not maybe even a little Knowledge. bit more. Yeah. Uh, with with uh, with with uh, 
with the game. So if you can, please check out, you know, Jeff's stuff here, you know, at, at Texas, Texas Soccer Journal on Twitter. And, and then, you know, from there you can check out his website. Um, but I know, you know, it was, it was awesome, just awesome to see him and San Antonio FC work together on this three-part series because I don't know outside of, you know, him if anybody could have done you know, as good of a job um, on that and with as much information and, and as much details where they went back and, you know, did some interviews and stuff like that. So, Absolutely. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you know, outside of Rafa's birthday, that's, you know, seems to be the most important thing today, <laughs> um, you know, for that here. But, uh, you know, just be safe and be smart. And, and like I said here, it's uh, Sunday evening. I know we got to go and, and, and thank you to James. Brian and Adrian, you know, you know, once again, you, you know, your time is valuable and giving it to us, uh, you know, for our podcast is very, very much appreciated on, on such an important topic, you know, for uh, the future of the game that, you know, all seven of us love. Yes, sir. Well, this has been another episode of the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Again, um, our thoughts and, and everything are with all of you guys out there who are unable to play right now. And, uh, you know, I think it's just so cool to hear about these different clubs coming together and, and getting to kind of see that and be a part of that. So if there's ever anything that we can do here at the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable, obviously we're happy to help kind of bridge those gaps and make introductions if you're looking to meet people. So don't hesitate to uh, shoot us over those messages. You guys stay safe. Have a good night. What's life without goals? This is the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable.